Hello, my name's Suzanne Shaw. I'm a mum, singer, actress and TV personality. In 2020, my life changed beyond recognition. I used to love nothing more than going out with friends for drinks and to showbiz events and after parties, drinking and partying all night long into the early hours of the morning. But then, the following day, the hangover was too much to bear. I was riddled with anxiety and worry and completely demotivated. After years of burning the candle at both ends, my mental health was suffering. I knew I had to make some serious changes, as this life I was leading was no longer sustainable. So, I put my big girl pants on and put the work into prioritising my well-being. I quit drinking, adopted a plant-based diet and took up running. Fast forward and I am loving life. The difference is unbelievable. No more beer fear, stodgy foods, self-loathing, procrastinating. I am finally living a happier, healthier life. The life I would only dream of on a Sunday morning on a terrible hangover. In this podcast, I'll be speaking to wellness experts and well-known self-improved advocates and celebrities about all things well-being, along with finding out their tips, tricks and secrets to living a happier, healthier life. Our lovely guest this week is Rosie Nixon. Rosie is the editor-in-chief at Hello Magazine, responsible for initiating Say Hello to Kindness campaign, along with keeping Hello Magazine a truly moral and ethical brand and workspace. She is an author of the Stylist series, Just Between Friends and Be Kind, and is a huge advocate in supporting women in business and women's projects. She is a true role model and leader, and it's wonderful to chat to her about all things work and wellness. Hi, Rosie, and welcome to the podcast. I am thrilled that you have come and joined me as a guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited and I love the name of this podcast. So Uh, thank you. You're ahead already. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, the real meaning behind this is, well, it is in the title really, isn't it? I mean, dare to be happy. Mm. We do have to work hard to find our Mm -hmm. happiness. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what I really want to kind of delve into today. Now, I'm a massive fan of your work. You uh, you're a real leader, I suppose, with the editor-in-chief at Hello, as well as leading the Hello, Say Hello to Kindness campaign. You're mm-hmm. also a real advocate of, of women and really giving women a platform. I want to know a little bit more about you. Did you find this leadership from someone? Were you? Did you look up to somebody or is it really kind of buried within, inside you? Oh, that's very kind of you to say. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. I think really, no, I didn't always think, you know, or have leadership particularly in mind. I feel very lucky to have ended up in a career that I really love. I've definitely found my happy place in working at Hello, where I've been for the last 14 years now. I can't quite believe it's that long. Um, And I think... You have to love what you do, really. And then I think a role can sort of come quite naturally to you. And I do feel extremely passionately about my role at Hello and that we use our platforms to boost our audience, you know, and lift up the people that we feature on our pages. Um, I do feel a strong responsibility to treat people well. 
Um, and I guess I'm a quite a positive person. I've, I've definitely always been that way, I suppose, you know, growing up. Mm. Um, glass always half full, for sure. And yeah, I don't really think of myself as a leader. It's funny hearing you say that. Um, I guess, you know, we all suffer slightly from imposter syndrome and perhaps don't yep. see us the way the outside world might. I definitely see myself more as a team player. And um, of course, someone, you know, in my position is only as good as the team around me. And I'm really lucky to have an amazingly dedicated team. Well, that certainly really does come through. I mean, for a magazine to really take, I suppose, a real step forward in taking responsibility on on how their audience participates within the community mm-hmm. really shines through where was the drive mm-hmm. from hello to kindness campaign yeah well yeah that's great you know and I'm so glad that hello has become known as a media brand that has kindness at the center of its ethos um, we launched the campaign a number of years ago in response to some growing negativity that we were seeing online especially on our social platforms and at the time, there was a lot of vitriol sort of aimed at the Duchess of Cambridge and the Duchess of Sussex, at Meghan and Kate. And um, we were seeing users kind of post really bullying, often abusive, um, sexist, sometimes racist commentary under our social media posts. And we just felt, look, we need to make a stand and say that that kind of harassment and bullying behavior really doesn't have a place in our world that we treat people with kindness throughout our brand and we expect the same from our users and our audiences um so we felt yeah that we really had to make lots of noise about this and it was amazing the response that we got both from our audience um, but also from the people that we feature on our pages and it attracted a lot of attention so it really is something that we're sticking to and That kindness thread runs through everything we do at Hello, from the content that appears on the website to the pages of the magazine to the way that we speak to uh, the people that we feature on our pages and all our handlings of everything we produce. And I'm so intensely proud and protective of of that. And I think our audience is responding well to it, as we can see, you know, by our growing sort of sales figures and our footprints digitally. It is a testament because personally, Mm -hmm. being somebody who has grown through a time in the media where tabloids Mm. weren't always necessarily supportive. (laughs) Those early days of hearsay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you look back now, I have to tell you that I did one of the, I saw one of the first performances that you gave as a band. Oh my God. It was a chart studio where you performed yeah. pure and simple. Yeah. And it was a time where it was, it's quite unbelievable now and utterly is, shocking how the press would tear people in the public eye apart. Yeah. As though they had sort of no right to respond or to, you know, any sort of control over their own identity. You know, it was yeah. absolutely shocking. I mean, it is a shocking time, isn't it? You know, you, you mm-hmm. can see that 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 period of time when tabloids were really at the forefront of the news and, and dictating where somebody's brand and personality and people's opinions were formed on them. Um, to now how we have these social media platforms to have our own voice and, and give it back. But kind of going going back to what you've done is 
showed that I mean I know a lot of the time you're led by your audience and you're giving you you know giving back to what your audience is looking for mm-hmm. but really kind of standing out of the crowd and going no we won't tolerate this mm. we won't we will use this platform in a way that is kind and gracious compassionate mm-hmm. the ethics the morals to it are so well aligned with what yeah. society should be doing mm-hmm. it's almost like people now really need to catch up with hello mm-hmm. and really follow suit because we do know a headline sells we know it you know we're all suckers for the kind of grabbing for the magazine with the headline that uh, makes you think oh someone's life's worse than yours but the reality is we don't want to see pain and suffering. We don't want to see what's happening in Ukraine right now. So really, we need to kind of lead with that compassion. I think you you do it so, so well. Yeah, well, I feel like we can all make a small difference in the worlds that we operate in. You know, mm. as you've mentioned, there is huge amount of suffering going on in the world. You know, there is discrimination and there's injustice all over the world and people are hurting. And I feel that, you know, that can feel too much sort of as a whole. It's the same with the negativity in the online world. It can feel too much as a big entity that, you know, people can say things in this online world that they perhaps wouldn't say to anybody in the street. But what we can all do is kind of narrow that down and try and make a difference in our own small world. And we felt that at Hello, you know, we can make a difference by saying, look, this isn't okay on our platforms. If you want to interact with us, we're not saying we're against freedom of speech. You know, of course, that's fine. But you can express an opinion without doing it in an unkind manner. Um, So I think we can all make that little bit of difference on what might be a very big problem in our own little way. I absolutely love that. You know, one thing that you've said, being guided by kindness has made my job more rewarding than I could possibly have imagined. It's an enhanced my uh, life in a way that no paycheck, no promotion could do. And this yeah. is my favorite line. It has literally brought some magic into my world. Mm, that's really true. Kindness is a choice. And if you yeah. make that decision, yeah, that you are going to react in every situation in a way that's empathetic, then it's really quite amazing what that can open up for you and the type of relationships you will have with people and the way that they will converse with you will be completely different. You know, when anything happens to you in your life, you're at a kind of juncture in how you would react and you alone are responsible for that. And, you know, we're not born necessarily as empathetic beings. Well, we're not, you know, we're not actually born with empathy. It's completely a learned behaviour, which is why I'm so passionate about this subject of kindness. And it's something that we need to be constantly reminded of. Almost like I drill it into my kids. You know, if I see them squabbling or messing about with each other now, you know, often I'll say, look, just stop for a minute and think about what you're doing and what you're going to say next. How do you think you should react to this situation? And we just sort of stop for a minute, pause, and then they'll say, be kind, mommy. And it's like, yes, you know, and even we as adults need that reminder. If somebody says something, you know, slightly antagonistic to you, or maybe you're having an issue with a colleague at work, or maybe it's something as simple as somebody stands on your toe on the tube train on the way to work, you know, you have a a moment to think, how am I going to 
react to that situation. And I have certainly found that by reacting in an empathetic and a compassionate way and understanding that, you know, somebody has behaved that way towards you, perhaps because of something that's going on in their head rather than anything that you've done, Mm. particularly, then it literally changes the whole dialogue and the situation for the better. Isn't that fascinating? Because that this is something that I um, I really work on, and that's the space in between trigger and response. You can yes. have that space, and that can work for anything. You know, if you have that trigger, and your response is to get a drink, to have a mm-hmm. cigarette, to go and eat a bag of cookies, giving yeah. yourself a little bit more space to think about how would I really react? How do I want to react? What am I going to give my power away to? What you've been through with your fitness journey and, you know, your journey to such incredible health, which I admire so much, Susie, you know, it's amazing how you've turned your world around. But that is to do again with kindness and showing that compassion to yourself and stopping thinking, yeah, I could go down that path. I could eat that or not do the exercise or, you know, have that drink. But actually, is that the kindest thing that I'm doing to my body and my mind right now? And giving Mm. yourself a moment to pause, as you say, that gap between trigger and response is so critical. And I did find actually part of my life where I had become quite angry and bitter and upset Mm. and hurt with Mm -hmm. the entertainment industry. I felt mm-hmm. quite my ego was getting in the way, thinking, well, why why was I treated that way? Why wasn't it somebody mm-hmm. else? And and you and you do end up falling in the trap where you start to respond in a way where, well, if no one's going to be nice to me, I'm not going yeah. to be nice to anyone. I'm going to protect my feelings. And I yes. think a lot of us at some point in our lives with trauma mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever kind of path you take end up falling and being there until you hit rock bottom and go I can't live like this this is extremely unhealthy Mm. yeah you're so right and it's also not always easy you know sometimes you know I'm not sort of trying to suggest that we can all just be kind and switch on that switch because it isn't easy you know it takes a lot of work sometimes especially if you're in you know a personal situation that isn't the kindest to you and you know that you know it's sometimes very hard to muster empathy you know Mm. whether that's for yourself or for the other person so it's a journey and it's something that you know needs to be worked at um but once you get there in that bit by bit taking small steps taking stepping stones we can't sort of change our lives in a day um but being content with it being a longer journey then I you know I do believe that putting kindness front of mind really can sort of help change a life. What are your top tips of practicing that, you know, to really try and find that space in between that moment of rage, anger, disappointment, upset, hurt, um, because it's it's not always easy just to go, okay, I'll find compassion, find compassion. <laughs> I know it isn't. Although you sometimes do have to say it yourself as a mantra. Sometimes yeah. I'll hear it in my head saying, be kind, just be kind, you know, try yeah. not to sort of rise to that situation. But I think one of the hardest things can be learning to be compassionate towards ourselves, which obviously does really have to come first. 
And that right. is very difficult with busy lives, with families to care for, with jobs, with money worries, with mm. all of the kind of anxieties and stresses that we have in life at the moment. And we're having a very strange time, aren't we, post-pandemic yeah. with all war raging, you know, not that far away. Um, it is really difficult, but I do believe that you, if you haven't got any energy for yourself at all, then you're not going to cope with all of those other demands on you as well so one of sort of my practices has been I mean I actually physically removed myself from London my family moved just out of London uh, to Surrey last June and that has helped me achieve more self-compassion and and more time to myself just being able to go outside for a walk for half an hour during a day when I'm working from home and all I can see is green fields has done wonders for me in terms of self-care and just having a bit of breathing space. But I did have to perhaps reach a point of complete manicness, if I'm honest, and overload from in all areas of my life to realise that things were not working. And for so many of us, we do sort of reach that point where it just feels untenable to make a big change. So, yeah, for me, definitely kind of, yeah starting a new life with the family where we've just got a bit more space around us and you know countryside and being out in nature whenever we can has has been a really big thing and helps me to feel kinder towards myself and therefore more able to cope with the demands on my life that that are still going to be there and that I choose to have there (laughs) my family and my work which you know obviously I love but it, it is very hard to balance it all is there anything you put in place when you when you go to work in London, you know, within your environment in that space? As a company, do you have any well-being things that you uh, almost have to do as part of the job now? Um, mm. Is that something that you've changed within that environment? Yeah, well, certainly post-pandemic, you know, we're kind of having a reset because I think for lots of us, we have realised just what sort of full pelt the speed that our lives were all moving yeah. at before. Um, and although we were very lucky in that we were able to pivot to working from home and lucky in that we all had our jobs and were able to keep putting the magazine out and operating on all of our platforms, we obviously had a different sort of pace of life without the travelling to the office and dropping the kids off at school and rushing to get in and spilling mm. coffee down your top on the way to work and it all feeling <laughs> very hectic. <laughs> Um, We now sort of have a more hybrid way of working, which I think we're all really appreciating. So we we go to the office two or three days a week and work from home a couple of days. And I certainly find that pace of work life so much healthier. Um, We are looking at doing a big piece on how we can improve the sort of culture in a well-being sense within the company. Because I think every company now, I mean, we've learned that it is absolutely integral to look after the mental health of your teams if you're able to, so that you're able to function effectively. So I think there's still lots more that we can do and that we will be sort of unveiling in time. Um, But as a company, we do a huge amount between ourselves in that we have a very close-knit team and kindness really does come forefront in our interactions with each other. I love that. I mean, I just think it's so refreshing to hear that, you know, you could 
be in part of a, a company, join a job mm. where you don't feel like the rat race mm. is so there at the forefront and exhausted by mm. keeping up and comparing and competing. You know, I, I just do feel there's a real change happening out there. And, you know, it's so important to stay in your own lane and yeah. to to not compare yourself and not think, well, they seem to really have everything under control when the reality is we are always going to show our best bits online mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know totally yeah I'm never really going to go right you know what I'm just going to film this moment I'm in a rage because the shoes are all over the floor and the kids are driving me mad we're not going to yeah. really do that but at the no. same time I think we're all a little bit more able to be open and honest and aware yeah and I think certainly is that we know when you were talking about leadership earlier, that showing your vulnerability as a leader, I think, is really important as well. Mm. You know, not to be try to kind of keep this sort of armoured sort of exterior as though you're coping absolutely brilliantly and, you know, you've got to lead a team and therefore that you can't be seen to let your guard down at all. You yeah. know, that especially in the last two years, it's been really hard for all of us. And I'm totally okay with showing my vulnerability as a leader as well and saying that I don't know, you know, I don't have all the answers all the time. Let's, how can we sort of work this out as a team? Or if there's an issue amongst the team, how can some of us get together so that it's not like a parent child relationship where I'm as a leader expected to fix everything but how can we work together as a team to make things better for all of us um, and I think gone are those days of sort of leadership positions or certainly you know women in leadership positions when you look back you know there was often this image of a sort of you know very kind of strong female leader that boss, you know, didn't necessarily give opportunities to all the other women on the team. Yeah. And, you know, now I think empathetic leadership is, has, is a really strong and kind of viable approach that actually gets better results from your team. I couldn't agree more. I think gone are the days with this real masculine approach to goals, mm. targets, challenges. That you've got to be like a man, basically, yeah, to lead. Yeah. I think a little bit of nurture and compassion is very, very much needed yeah, within and the workspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You say in the book, you talk about perfection, actually, and letting mm. go of perfection. Yes. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. No. And that's <laughs> that's about letting go of control as well. How, yeah. how did you get to that place? Well, I think it was becoming a mother for me. And I, I had my babies sort of fairly late, you know, age 38 and 40. And mm. obviously, it turns your life completely upside down, you know, the greatest gift ever, but not what you were expecting. And yeah. I had been someone that had been quite defined by my career up until that point. And I sort of struggled with who I was a bit during that mater- first maternity leave, obviously cherished the role of mother more than anything, mm. um, and, and felt extremely blessed to be in that role. But um, I sort of didn't know who I was for a bit and and if I'm honest I did try to keep up that perfect I'm still in touch with the office and I can kind of do everything and I haven't let that side of myself go and and it was actually realizing that 
Oh, it was actually a very close friend of mine who is training to be a psychotherapist now, who's amazing, who I mm. spoke to about this. I mean, it's exhausting trying to do it all, basically. Yeah. And then, and I kind of, through talking to her, realized that I was trying to keep up this image of I'm perfectly able to juggle everything. And it was almost like an awakening when I sort of thought, but why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who am I trying to impress? You know, absolutely yeah. no one I'm actually doing this for myself but it's not making me very happy and it's exhausting and what if I just kind of give up this idea of perfection and I think social media as well can be its own worst enemy with feeling that you've got to sort of be presenting your best life at all times and you're not always living your best life and life is hard at times and so it was that sort of realization that my boy just needs me to be the best mum that I can be for him no one's judging me except myself and I and if I drop balls that's okay and if I don't manage to kind of make it out of the house on one day because we're both so you know lacking in sleep and unable to get ourselves together then that's okay too but it is difficult sometimes to reach that point and now I'm quite happy with the state of I'm just doing the best I can. Sometimes balls are going to be dropped. But as long as I don't drop the really serious ones, then that's okay. Who cares? Who's judging me? Nobody. Only myself. That's it. And we only ever judge ourselves. Everyone's so caught up in their own problems that, you know, of course, there's judgment out there. We None of us are perfect. <laughs> and we we do judge. But, you know, at the same time, we, we're generally judging ourselves more than anything. Yeah. And if somebody is judging you, then perhaps they're not the best company for you either. Yeah. It's sort of yeah. kindly knowing when you're not perhaps with the right tribe because you're not feeling yeah. particularly good about yourself around them and then maybe that's not the tribe for you and that's okay as well you know find the people that do make you feel really good and and that's kind of goes back to that online thing as well find that kind environment where you feel supported yeah I mean it's it's interesting really because we're all kind of figuring this online world out Mm. at the moment you know it is very very new um and it will eventually evolve and change and you know I think we are at a point where we're learning the best way to use it because it can be fantastic it can be inspiring motivating um there was something that Mel Robbins actually put out today and she was mm-hmm. like this is how you need to use social media mm-hmm. if you want to see all the good things in your life you need to follow those good people you need to follow the people that inspire you mm-hmm. and give you hope and give you um kindness mm-hmm. and compassion you know, if you're searching for the badness, it's like, you know, going out and finding the wrong friendship groups. They're not going to support and hold you up. And that's the way I think we need to now realize how to use social media. What is it you want to see in your magazine when you wake up? What is, what's the book you want to read? Yeah. And that Mm -hmm. is now something I think we're all really starting to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of related to that idea as well of sort of kindly saying no to things and sort of unfollowing those accounts that aren't making you feel good about yourself and sort of removing your distancing yourself slightly from the friendship groups that feel a bit toxic and you never have a great feeling when you sort of leave them. You know, Mm -hmm. I always think that that feeling that you get when you say goodbye to someone or, you know, when you when you leave them is really telling. 
Yes. And if you're left feeling a bit flat or something wasn't quite right about it, then, you know, maybe that's not best to put for you to go back into that situation again, sort of in a in a hurry. Um, mm. And kindly saying no to things, you know, then opens up the opportunity to say yes to the things that you really want to be doing. I'm actually reading this page right now in your book, How to Say No with Kindness. How are you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. How do you say no to kindness? Because yeah. it is hard. It's it's a skill. Mm-hmm. It is a skill. But again, to do with sort of my feeling of burnout in London, sort of pre-pandemic, was saying yes to everything, thinking, oh, gosh, I've been invited to that event. Oh, I better go to it because they've invited me and blah, blah. And then thinking... I was saying yes to things when I sort of thought, I know that I'm not really going to want to go to this when the time comes, Yeah, you know, when you get that feeling of, yeah. or you look yeah. at the diary and think, oh God, I'm going to be out three nights in a row. I said yes to all those things and thinking, I can't, I can't do that. And reframing yeah. it, thinking, well, in saying yes to that, I've actually said no to putting my children to bed. Now, what's yes. more important to me? Well, obviously, it's putting my children to bed on that night. So mm. I can kindly say no to this thing because I'm prioritizing something that's a lot more important to me on that day and having the confidence to follow through with that. And a lot of that does come with age and experience. I think it's harder to do that when you're starting off in a job and you feel that you've got to prove yourself. But I think that I always as well have the utmost respect for people that are more boundaried. And I wasn't a very boundary person, I think, perhaps on the way up. And I'm a lot more like that now. And I kind of wish I had been. And I do respect others, you know, if they say, look, I would love to come to that. But I'm, I I really want to put my children to bed that evening or, or don't even have to justify it. I'd love to. I'm sure you'll have a great event, but I'm really sorry. I'm unable to go to it that evening. Enough said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, mm. I couldn't agree more, but it's, it is so difficult. And I think particularly maybe if it's a close friend who mm. you feel like you haven't quite figured out those boundaries or even a relative, a close relative, you know, when you think, God, I'm really getting impressed with my boundaries here. How do I pull them up on that? How do I express my feelings without this causing a huge conflict between us? Mm. Well, I think when we start to open up again, it comes down to showing that vulnerability to yeah. admitting that we cannot do it all. And, and that's okay. And really your friends, if they really are your friends, they will 100% understand that and respect it. And if mm. that person can't understand it or then falls out with you, well, that's that's not really being a supportive friend. Mm. Um, and perhaps they're not supporting you because of something going on in their life, you know? Yes. So, yeah, just that greater understanding of yourself and your own needs and what is really important to you in that moment, but also what somebody else is going through. Yeah. And it is really, truly tapping into mindfulness, really getting Mm -hmm. to understand who you are, what it is you like. Because I think a lot of the time you can kind of wander through life um, Mm -hmm. going from things that you've learned from your parents, hobbies you're taking on because of maybe friends you've seen. And you end up kind of stumbling your way through life, not really knowing Mm -hmm. what do I like? What is it Mm -hmm. the thing that I want to do? And who's the person that I want to be? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And sometimes it takes a long time. And that's the biggest journey of all, really understanding yourself. 
and being very intuitive to how you feel, I think, in any moment. And again, yeah. that comes back to that taking that pause between yeah. the trigger and then your reaction. Yeah. Um, to just taking that moment and stopping and thinking, right, what do I really want here? Mm. You know, that when that invitation's come in or that person said something, what what is really going on here? And then come back with your reaction. Is writing your novels an escapism for you? Is that a great place to be? Yeah, it really is. And um, I can't wait to sort of get back into novel writing. I'm meant to be coming up with the idea for the third novel in the Stylist series, which was my original novel, Baby. And I can't wait to get lost in that because I do find it pure escapism. But it is time consuming. There's no getting away from that. Uh, You do need a decent amount of hours kind of in a row to be able to get down those words. But but immersing yourself in the journeys of your characters is Mm. really special. And when you're in that creative zone, I absolutely love it when the words are flowing. I don't love it so much when the words are not flowing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I love my character, Amber Green, who stars in the stylist books. And I really, yeah, she's sort of in my head a lot at the moment. So I feel I'm getting ready to that place to kind of want to start writing the next chapter of her life. Do you have to really kind of dedicate time and find time within, you know, working with Hello, being a parent, um, doing all the campaigns that you do? When is it like, do you have a routine? Is it like a morning routine you do that really sets you up for the day? Is there a secret to being able to fit all of this in? Yeah, well, it's tricky. And I have to say the writing has taken a back seat and the novel writing recently because there there hasn't been many hours in the day that are spare. Um, But when I do get into novel writing, I tend to sort of take myself off for a couple of days at a time. um, And I'll go and stay somewhere and sort of literally batten down the hatches, generally in a hotel somewhere, and I will write for, you know, as many hours of the day that I can. Um, But a lot of thinking time goes in before that so that I'm almost desperate to let it all spill out of me and onto onto the laptop Um, because I know what I'm going to write. And then as you get into it, your characters really do take you on a journey and and live within your head and and almost start to write themselves in some ways. Um, So I love it when I'm able to do that. But obviously, you know, it's tricky balancing it with children. And and as I say, they always come first in my spare time. So maybe one day I'll be able to have a writing routine and get up in the morning and write (laughs) while they're at school. Um, But at the moment, it's something I do try to fit in around everything else. Yeah. It is hard to um, to make space for all the wonderful projects that you want to do. I, t- mm. I, I tend to find that I'll go, I'll start on something, but because there's another project in the back of my mind, I'm like partly doing that. Then I go off and then I, I write it. My attention span is just terrible to stay focused. I but I think what you said there is like taking yourself off and dedicating not a couple of hours, mm. a couple of days to that project can really get you ahead. Oh, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, I find like an hour here and there, just you can't write a novel that way. You really, and obviously, if you haven't done any writing for a little while, it takes quite a long time to get back up to speed again and remember exactly where you were in your head. So once I sort of commit to the next book and a project, then it really does, I feel immersed in it. 
Mm. And I look forward to those trips away like they are a little holiday. And because I do see writing very much as my passion and my hobby and something that I absolutely must have in my life because I love it so much. And I think when you feel like that about something, you do find the time for it yeah somehow so I am really looking forward to getting to grips with the next book again and I'm writing you know comedic sort of romantic commercial women's fiction so I'm not sort of writing war and peace and (laughs) it's an enjoyable experience and it's really good fun and obviously I'm influenced by lots of the situations I've been in because I can't help but be so it does tie in very well with the life that I lead in my working life as well I'm constantly being Mm. inspired by things and making notes and thinking oh that could inspire something that maybe happens in the next book I love how you really give space for women and really give them a platform Mm. to shine um when we came to the hello awards it was just so Mm. phenomenal to see oh Oh, just everybody taking part and the work that you've done and just everybody really holding you in a high regard because you're acknowledging and supporting other women Mm, yeah I mean again that's the team effort of working at hello with a bunch of women who really care about you know giving a platform and empowering women whoever they are and I Mm. do think it's really amazing that we can have such a large presence in the British media industry and use our platform for good because there are lots of incredible stories um, out there and women that need that platform desperately to raise awareness of the projects and the causes that they're fighting for on a daily basis. So Mm. I think, you know, if we can make a small difference um, or make possibly a big difference, yeah, to somebody's um, life, then, then we should absolutely do that. Yeah. So that's one of the greatest aspects of working at Hello, and it really is our heart and soul, you know, inspiring yeah. and empowering um, all the way, as well as kind of taking you out of the humdrum of daily life with the, inviting yeah. you to amazing weddings and into people's homes and all of that that Hello is known for, yeah. and all of our royal content, obviously. Um, oh, we love you that. Up to speed <laughs> with what's happening every week. Yeah, but alongside yeah. that, the heart and soul really is about empowering women. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just I think it's a, an amazing magazine and I think your work is just oh. um re- really empowering. Finally, really to wrap this up. Yeah. What what things do you do whether it's extreme, whether it's mundane, whether it's mm-hmm. a little bit unusual? Um, Mm -hmm. What is it you do to dare to be happy? (sighs) Eat chocolates. Lots of things make me happy. Um, I think we talked a bit about getting outside. And I know like you, you're a keen runner and I do love a run. That really can change my mood. You know, if I wake up in a morning and I think, oh, God, I feel a bit out of sorts or I'm anxious about something that's going to happen in the day. I know that just putting on my running gear and getting outside, even if it's for like 15, 20 minutes, and there's a big hill that I can run up actually, not far mm. from the house on the edge of a golf course. And I think, oh, I could just get up the hill and back. And that's about 15 minutes and it will reset my day and I'll be buzzed when I yeah. get back. The hardest thing they say is to get out the front door. But once you do yeah. that, I yeah. mean, you, 
you'll just never regret it. You'll always come back with the with that runner's high. No, you will never regret it. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah. doing any form of exercise, really. You're never going to go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that gym session. Well, unless you pull a muscle or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, or, but getting out of the house into the fresh air, I never, ever regret. Even if, you know, I don't even feel up for a big run, just going for a really yeah. brisk walk and getting sort of my heart pumping and the oxygen flowing and that makes a big difference but just being with my kids you know mm. sniffing them into their necks yeah, and yeah. <laughs> spending time with them without <laughs> feeling pressed on time or kind of distracted by an email that you need to respond to or something else going on you know in a corner of your brain I think that is my ultimate happy place just hanging yeah. out with them they're really into putting on shows at the moment and plays and love that I love <laughs> nothing more than watching their creativity grow um, and, it, and the way they express themselves um yeah and the odd bit of dark chocolate <laughs> well yeah and and I think that kind of really sums up this chat is just letting go of that perfection <laughs> like getting out of the door yeah. regardless whether you're going for a five mile run or a one mile run or a walk or getting into nature spending yeah. time getting out that rat race and being with your children and Definitely. yeah having that chocolate and that's what we have to remember isn't it that when we yeah. look back I think it's so true that you don't pick out the moments that you were the days that you were glued to your computer completing a piece of work you know yeah really the things that make us truly happy are often the most simple and they're about being in touch with the real you not the persona mm-hmm. that you might take on you know in other areas of your life it, it's yeah connecting I with the real that. you connecting with the real you that's the perfect way to end this thank you so much Rosie thanks for taking the time to come and join me you are so welcome really enjoyed that thank you Oh, there were some brilliant tips and tricks on how to keep on top of your well-being in that episode from Rosie, especially if you're a very busy working mum. Rosie also has her book out called Be Kind. Loads of lovely little tips and tricks in the book and just a really nice way on how to keep on top of your own well-being. You can also follow Rosie on Instagram. I think it's a really good idea to fill your feed with people who are going to inspire you and motivate you. So give Rosie a follow at Rosie Nixon. Thanks for joining us, Rosie. Thank you so much for listening to Dare to Be Happy. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It would mean the world to me if you could share my show with your friends and family. And if you could rate and review and subscribe, it means others can find out all about the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at Susie underscore Shaw, or you can email me at info at Sending you tons of love and I'll see you soon.